0: Subway Sports Talk. Dan, 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 clear of the closing doors, please.
1: All right, here we go. Subway Sports Talk. My name is Peter Kennedy, and I am your host. Thank you so much, as always, for tuning in. SST. On Apple Podcast app, Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts, we appreciate you the same. We got a great episode today, of course, because we got football to recap. We got football to preview, and we got a new big three in here talking football. You've heard all these people before, so don't get shocked by nothing. But we got, of course, returning after two and three on the picks in week one. Disappointing for you, Pat, with your great track record. Last year, sixty four percent. But I know you're gonna get back on track. We trust the process around here. At Boyle, what's good, my brother?
2: What's up, Petey? Yeah, you keep throwing around that number sixty four percent. I'm so proud, I of, it, the, bro. I'm so I proud of it. So proud feel the I could feel the weights being stacked upon my shoulder each time you say it, but I'm ready I'm ready to deliver. Look, it was a, it was a slow week one and The thing that we'll get into this that kept me from going three, two is trusting that the jets were going to score enough points. So Mm. for that, I got to kick myself.
1: That's fair. And you also trusted the giants to cover seven and a half.
2: Yes. Correct.
1: Did you almost get a backdoor?
2: Uh, or did no, they, no, they would, they, they, they scored with they? no time remaining to lose by 14. They were down. Oh, by right, 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 so, right, right. But Hey yeah. man, great, great week one in the NFL, man, especially yeah. capping off of that Monday night. So it's fantastic to have football back in our lives, baby.
1: Yeah. And I'm so thankful that Daniel Jones gets that rushing touchdown to his stat line. He deserved it so much. He worked so hard for it. All right. Kyle Anderson also here. What's good football episode debut. Kyle What's up, man? Anderson. You heard him, heard him on this exact show talking hoops. Many a times. And as you like to remind me, this might be your baby. Football might be your true pa- I don't know, if it's true passion or whatever I don't want to get too deep into it, but your expertise, part of your profession, is has a lot to do with football. So it's more it's long overdue, basically, that you're here to talk some football. Let's do it. How you doing, man?
0: Good, man. Doing great. Yeah, man. Football is definitely uh, probably my most knowledgeable sport. And probably my, my first love as, you know, as an athlete and then, you know, I coach now call plays at uh, Scott's Plains and uh, coaching the queues in the corners, but yeah, minutes it's, it's, it's always, I'm, I'm always watching football. I'm watching football Saturday, watching football Sunday, mm-hmm. and obviously, uh, you know, Monday when I can, but you know, this is definitely basketball is definitely very close second, second place, mm-hmm. but football is. Definitely always been number one, man. So glad glad, and lucky to be on the show. So happy to be here for And sure. thank
1: you for being here because we had a defensive coordinator last year on weekly with us to do this exact type of show. So now we traded out a defensive coordinator for an offensive coordinator. I think we might have to have a showdown at some point to make you guys battle or something because uh, Rocco Del Puri last year coming in with the defensive mindset. Now we got a gunslinger over there. Kyle Anderson, former quarterback, we got, we got some juice now. So Pete Kennedy, Pat Boyle, Kyle Anderson, there's really one place to start here. I already poked fun at Daniel Jones once with that bogus late game, garbage time, running touchdown that he <laughs> should, <laughs> I can see Pat's face in the Zoom, he's already annoyed. On, get, on, get on with it already. <laughs> but no, no. let's bring it in because I want to be fair here. I want to be reasonable. What we're going to do on the show is we're going to recap a little bit. We're going to look forward. We're going to try and take what we saw in week one and basically say what's real and what's not real because you see it every single year. There's a team that starts off 0-1, 0-2 that ends up in the playoffs as a true contender. There's a team that starts off 2-0, 3-0, 4-0 and is a fraudulent team. Now, it's only one week, but we're going to try to look into the future to see what these week one games really meant, which ones carried more weight than others. But we are going to start with the Giants. And then we're going to get to the Jets and then we'll bounce around the league and touch on a bunch of stuff. We'll wrap up at the end, recapping mine and Pat's pick from the weekend uh, where we had some wins. It wasn't bad. Two and three for both of us. Hey, it's week one. We're in it for the long haul, Pat. I ain't worried about nothing. We'll get to that in a minute, but first and foremost, the Giants lost to the Denver Broncos. Um, other than Jerry Judy getting hurt and perhaps hurt for quite a while. The most devastating thing in that game was the Giants offense or lack thereof again, It's a worry for everybody, for Giants fans, for anybody who wanted to bet on the Giants for some reason. The offense has been a struggle. It continued to be a struggle. So, Pat, I'm going to go to you first. As you had them in one of your picks, you did have some sort of trust in them. You do have some nice expectations for them this year. Is there anything when you watch that game that you do want to look at and say that shocked me and was disappointing, or I'm hanging my hat on that, that's a positive? Where do you land on game one?
2: Uh, to me, it was the what the shocking thing was how poorly the defense played. Mm, uh, that is something point. that I expected. You know, again, look, I, I've been, I've been saying that Daniel Jones is going to have a breakout year this year. I've been saying the Giants are going to the are going to win the NFC East. I still believe they're going to win the NFC East. Okay, uh, I think Sunday was a comedy of errors that was a a snowball effect for the Giants, if you will. Uh, that being said, the defense uh, was definitely one of the big reasons why. And and look, I'm not going to sit up here and defend Daniel Jones. So he, he had a poor game. And again, he fumbled in a critical spot, which has been the the biggest um, you know biggest bullet for all the Daniel Jones haters with good reason. Has led the NFL in turnovers the last two years and turned over in a critical spot again. But I was really surprised at how poorly the defense played. Now look, Teddy Bridgewater, you got to give him credit. He's kind of bounced around now for the last uh, several years. And it seems like he may have finally found himself a home in Denver. But even then, to allow Teddy Bridgewater to go 28-36 to 36 for 264 yards, two touchdowns, no picks. He's out there making plays on third down, on fourth down. Giants defense too good for that. The Giants defense is too good to let Teddy Bridgewater have a quarterback rating of 96 in your own stadium in week one. Uh, that, so to me, that, that was the biggest thing, is the Giants defense really let them down, whereas I thought this is a top-five defense all season long. And, and I still think it can be again, but that was a, a big red flag for me. Um, in week one is on a drive where the giants to start the second half, the giants got some momentum and then Denver kicks, you know, gets the ball to start the second half. And on a drive that goes, what is it? 16 plays 75 yards to start the second half with a touchdown and grab total control An eight minute drive. The giants defense could not get off the field. Denver converts four third downs in a row And then even when they get inside the five, the Giants finally stop them. And you think, all right, here comes a field goal because Vic Fangio is going to be soft. He goes for it. And I'm like, oh, this is a huge turning point. Giants stop him here. And the Giants have Teddy Bridgewater dead to rights on fourth and one. And I forget who it was, but he scrambles, he gets away, basically kind of throws a little stiff arm, and then gets it to uh, Albert Okunugbedam. I, I can't even say his last name, Okunugbedam. Yep. And uh, and De- and Denver converts on fourth and one from the Giants' four to score a touchdown, and and that was it. So, again, the Giants' defense failed in some of the biggest spots, letting Denver convert on several third down after third down, and uh, to me, that was the most shocking thing.
1: Yeah, absolutely. That's a great point uh, because. It's not completely fair to just sit here and crap on the offense when the defense didn't look great and look what they looked like last year. My only counter to that would be they were on the field quite a bit, which is tough. And part of that is because they couldn't get the run game going. And that's something that doesn't particularly fall on Daniel Jones' shoulders. It falls on the offensive line, on Jason Garrett, on Saquon, and you know, on Daniel Jones a little bit as well as the quarterback. But 2.5 yards per carry from Saquon is unfortunately something that we've, getting, we've been getting used to. I mean, granted, he didn't play all of last year, but he's had these stretches of for quarters and halves and sometimes full games where this is what happens. And then he buses one out for 70, and he seems like he can save the day. But it's a hard thing to really rely on. So, Kyle, I'm going to go to you now. When you look at the Giants for week one, we don't want to go crazy. Pat still has expectation. You know, I'm not saying here they're going to lose 16 games in a row now and go 0-17. Of course not. There's still positives to draw here. But what was your reaction on the Giants in week one, specifically if you can talk about Daniel Jones' quarterback play?
0: Yeah, um, at least with with what Pat just said, you know, I completely agree. I just felt like they couldn't get off the field on third down. They had a lot of opportunities to do so. And it just seemed like every opportunity to make a play, the defense was either, you know, either there, you know, like – should have made a play and should have tackled for loss, and they should be punting to uh, to the Giants. Or the guy was not even in the vicinity. You know, they threw that deep out to Jerry Judy, that one sideline play. You know, it was a big kind of momentum play, and it, it kind of just took the sales like out of the defense and also out of the stadium. They could tell. Um, but with Daniel Jones, I mean, it just it just seemed like there's no growth. You know, you you've been waiting. This is now you know another year where you're just kind of just like dude when is he going to get better when is he not going to make the same mistakes and I, and obviously it's it's tough because you kind of highlight one play where you're just like this is you know the, the that was a difference in the game but it kind of was you know if he if he slides after he gets that first down or just gets down in some unathletic form of fashion just just do it just get down it's not and this is not like the first time that it's happened for him where he's lost the ball, you know, his ball ball security has always been a problem for him since he's been in the league. And that's pretty much that, that momentum just totally died. You know, we get, we get out of, we get a stop and we get the ball and we're driving down the field and we're about to score. We're in the red zone. We're about to put a drive together. Finally, we're getting the defense off of the field. And we fumble the ball and we give them the ball right back. My one of my buddies was at the game, and he said after that fumble, he said the the stadium literally just went completely quiet. It was just it was like you completely took the air out of the stadium. That's what he said, like word for word, just completely took the air out of the stadium. And how can you, um, you know, how can you expect your defense to continue to bail bail you out? As much as the defense didn't play well, the defense was on the field the entire game we were down 17, seven at one point. And it felt like, I remember I was watching the game and I was telling my friend, my friend, Jeff, and I was like, dude, it feels like we're down 30 right now. And it was just because we just couldn't get anything going offensively. And we couldn't get off the field. So it was a complete team effort, you know, in our loss. Like it wasn't just one side of the ball. Everybody stunk, you know, head coach all as well. Right.
1: Yeah. And I, I agree with a lot of what you said. And it's funny because If you really think about it and you want to be as fair as possible to Daniel Jones, he did cut his fumbles down by 25% from year one to year two. That's a fact, right? He had 12 fumbles in year one. He only had eight fumbles in year two. I'm pretty sure my math checks out there, right? That's 25%? Yep. Yeah, there we go. Math is hard. Um, So he did cut it down, but the narrative and the memories that all Giants fans have that you kind of just explained came out in real time in the stadium is they remember all 20 of those fumbles in the first two years. They don't care that he had 12 and then eight and that he had 12 interceptions and then 10 inter- interceptions. Like, it doesn't matter. It's just been a turnover machine for Daniel Jones in the heads of all Giants fans. So when that ball hits the ground in a critical moment, every Giant fan, whether it's accurate or not, whether it's fair or not, go, here we go again. He's done this 17 games in a row. What, it doesn't, it's obviously not true. He doesn't do it every single game, but it's happened enough to the point where every giant fan is aware of the narrative of the statistics that when it does, it's like it's the end and it's hard to come back from that.
2: And it happened in such a critical spot too. Pete. Look, if he fumbles and then Denver goes three and out right back, or they gone three and out before that. And then they maybe kick a field goal after that. Like it's not a huge point. It's the fact that they were in the midst of the most critical point in the game. Denver scores a touchdown to end the half. And then they get the ball to start the half, and they drive right down, and they batter the defense, and they wear them down. Four third down conversions, for a fourth down conversion to score a touchdown, and then the Giants get the ball back, and you're looking for that answer. And all basically all the Giants' hopes are, are hanging on that drive that you're going to get some points and keep it a once and then get back to a one score game, and then he fumbles at literally the worst juncture at the game possible. Right. So I mean that that that's a reason why. Um, and you know, just to, to continue on with the offense, look like the offensive line looks terrible again. That that's that's another thing that you wanted to see improvement out of outside of Gates. Um, I thought Gates played well, but so I mean, dude, Nate Soldier, get he's got to get off the team. Mm. Get him off the goddamn team. He sucks. I know. Did you guys see the video of him literally blocking his own player? Terrible, I think it was, def- I, think I, it was Bo- yeah. I think it was Booker. I think it was one play yeah. Booker's and he literally blocked his own teammate, <laughs> and he was getting turned around. By Miller, by, um, by by everybody on that Denver front seven, it, it was embarrassing how bad he's become, and that's that's going to go down as one of the worst signings of Gettleman's career uh, with the Giants. But the offensive line was bad again. You, you twenty carries as a team for sixty yards, not going to cut it. And uh, and and Saquon, that's another thing we got to get into because he has to get more carries. You can't can't baby him the whole season. I get it's one season. It was one game, and it was a loss, and he only got ten touches. He's got to get more carries. Like, again, it's not like he's coming back from a sprained ankle three weeks ago. He had a torn ACL a year ago. He, there hasn't been any issues in terms of soreness. They've kind of, you know, really babied him all throughout preseason. At a certain point, you got to let the guy do his job because when he's getting 15, 20 Mm -hmm. carries a game, that's when this offense is at its best because then you're taking the pressure off Jones to do, to try and do more than he can or more than he should. Right. Um, but, you know, and again, I think what this game really turned on, because here's another thing. Another thing that I said this year, the holy triumvirate of hot seats for the Giants. And yet again, Jason Garrett, dog shit play calling at some at some big Thank spots you. in the game. And Thank I think you. the biggest, one of the biggest things is the Giants score a touchdown to go up 7-3. Denver drives right back down and Logan Ryan strips, I think it was Fant, as that he's was, trying to go in out. for a touchdown. It was the, your Giants boy, get it, the Giants get it back. There's like four minutes left for the half. You're like, all right, like turn that into a field goal, maybe. Like just get something here. And Jason Garrett goes boring run up the middle with Booker. Then he goes little bullshit swing pass to Penny, incomplete, and then a little dump off pass on third and nine to Kyle Rudolph. Three plays, three yards, forty seconds. They punt it right back to Denver, and the Broncos then score a touchdown with all right. the uh, right before the half. And then they, they carried that momentum into the second half and drove down and scored a touchdown. Then Jones fumbles. And it's those that succession of stuff right there w- was the game. Because outside of that, it was the, the, an even game.
0: You're so right, dude, because the, the play calling, man. Like, there were so many opportunities. That one in particular also. It's third and eight. And obviously, whatever, we're backed up. It's third and eight. And your your decision, your, your play call, your conservative play call with this third-year quarterback who's supposed to be all developed and everything – we throw a flat route to our tight end, Kyle Rudolph, and it's a two-yard route. Who's not like, doing what, nothing what, after what, the catch. Because the ball, right, what is he doing after that? Exactly, like, what, give him what, a chance. What are, we, what are we doing? Like, right, give him a chance. We're not we're, – we, we can't are we baby our, our quarterback, you know, our, our third-year quarterback when we're backed up. Like, by this time, we have to start throwing the ball down the field. Like, there are so many times that – we were calling, you know, same thing, same, multiple situations. We're in third and eight or third, you know, third and medium to third and long. And we're running like tight end stick routes, like to the, like routes to the sticks and the, what do you think a linebacker is going to do? A good defensive player is going to do. He's going to turn to the sticks and he's going to look like, all right, Hey, this is, this is where I have to put my heels, like in the dirt and I can't let this guy go past me. And our tight ends were literally running to where those backers were right to the sticks so all right dude now we're like throwing like almost like darts trying to place the, the football instead of actually trying to throw the ball downfield it wasn't until the game was pretty much over that we started hitting digs on Galladay right. and you know really started pushing the ball down the field like what what are we waiting for yes. yeah, and, jo- and so many opportunities and Jones had some nice throws in coverage. There was a couple of throws, man,
2: where where Galladay and Sh- and Slayton had oh, shaped yeah. coverage, yep. and yes. they make they're making catches in traffic. Like where is that in the fr- in the first half? It was so frustrating. Was,
1: Shepard looked like the best player on the team. I'd say, like most yeah. active offensive player. I won't say best player on the team. You know, not to go too too you know broad stroke here, but he looked awesome. Shepard Slayton looked fine. Galladay. Fourth quarter came around. He looked fine. The frustrating and is... He was
2: getting, and he was getting covered by, you know, by was A.J. Bouye, basically, all game. So, I mean, right. it's a tough assignment. Yeah. So
1: the, and the frustrating thing is about the Jason Garrett part of it is when you have a younger quarterback, there's usually two pockets, more or less, right? There's one quarterback who is probably a little bit too free. He wants to sling. He's not, like, risk-averse at all. He's willing to take risks. risks and you need a coach to kind of pull him back and be like, all right, listen... In this drive here, we really don't want to turn it over. I'm going to force you to throw the swing, to throw the, the quick four-yard out because we, ain't, we can't afford a turnover right now. Then there's guys who are too conservative who need to be pushed forward in the right situations to take those shots. And if you want to hate Daniel Jones, if you want to say he's trash, that he shouldn't be the quarterback of this team, you should still be able to admit that the one thing he actually does pretty well is throw a deep ball. It's the one thing he does pretty well. And yet... Those opportunities are not handed to him, at least from our viewership perspective. Perhaps there's opportunity for him to take more chances that Garrett's allowing and he's not choosing to not going to rule that out. But from the viewing perspective on TV, it seems like he's not even given the chance to take some of those shots, which is frustrating when it's put up or shut up time when we need to know if he's going to be the quarterback or not. Cause right now it leans like he's not. And unless he gets pushed in the right direction by a coach It doesn't seem like he's going to get there by himself. And it's incredibly obvious to everybody in the world, I guess, outside of the giants organization that Jason Garrett should not be that guy. Like everybody in the world.
2: Come on. Yeah. And, and my apologies too, by the way, I was, I was mixing up the giants and the jets game, you know, talking about Bouye from, from Carolina. I meant Kyle Fuller was covering, um, you know, uh, for a large part of that game. But yeah, I mean, you, you made it, it, you're, you're spot on. Look, Jason Garrett, we figured out, look, he's not that great of a coach. And now I'm starting to think he's not that great of a coordinator and he's not that great of a coach in general. Uh, And the Pat thing makes it even worse. Oh, sorry, go ahead. Yeah. Michael Lombardi wrote an article, like the giants are stuck in time, especially when it comes to Jason Garrett. Like, you know, we're seeing all these young, you know, run and gun, like fast paced college style offensive coordinators for a reason. Cause it works. It works with how the, how athletic these quarterbacks and, and um, you know, wide receivers and even tight ends are nowadays that you can run like just you know, sets in, on offense that you did not see five, 10 years ago. And Jason Garrett doesn't seem to understand that. Yeah, this
0: is, this is, I feel like it's been a, a team effort pretty much from everyone in their shortcomings, I guess is the best way to say it. And the organization has never, I feel like in a long time, we haven't had a, a solid offensive line. You know, if, if, if we're going to, you know, as, as much as you can, um, Develop a quarterback and everything like there should be a solid, a decent, okay, and a workable, um, offensive line that he can get behind and be confident and develop, you know, and delivering the ball down the field. But if he's constantly worried about pressure and worried about getting the ball out of his hands, maybe that is where he's like checking the ball all the time, checking the ball down all the time, where he should be looking to develop, you know, deliver the ball down the field. But with that said, like there's times where you watch the game and you see that Daniel Jones is just staring guys down. He he had uh, Barkley out of the backfield on a Texas route on an angle route. And it was like triple quadruple covered. And there was no, there was no hint or, or glance of him being open, but he's just staring this guy down. And it's, it's stuff like that where I see that and I get frustrated because, you know, there's no growth and you know, that, that fans are stuck on some, some fans are, are really like have so much faith and almost hope that he's eventually going to develop. And there's honestly that I personally, I don't think it's there. I don't think it's there. And I was talking to Pete, Daniel Jones is the Frank Nilakino of the giants. He's the Frank Nilakino of the giants. Oh yeah. He's Let a me guy hear that it. the fans, the fans love, right? The fans love because he's, he's a good guy. He's guys about the team. He works hard. You can tell that the players get behind him because he's a good guy in the locker room. But at the end of the day, just like Frank Aquina, right? He does a lot of things that, you know, he does some things that do that he does well, but there are a lot of things that he doesn't do well, right? Frank Aquina is a great defender, right? But he shoots 28% from three, but every Knicks fan will tell you that one time he locked up Kyrie Irving at half court (laughs) or the one time he stripped the ball from, you know, like D. Wade, you know, with his rookie year or something like that. But meanwhile, you know, if we need him to hit a big shot, he's nowhere to be found. Melman still hasn't found a jump shot in his career. But Daniel Jones, you know, he, he's a guy that will make certain throws, right? We were talking about he's putting the ball in tight windows, right? He's hitting uh, Shepherd on some throws. But when it's time for him to step up and we need him, just slide. Something that you've been constantly probably coached up about protecting the ball and you can't do it so that's what like what are we what are we doing we're still here year three and you're still making the same exact mistakes if I'm if I'm, I'm a quarterback's coach right if I'm coaching my kid up and he's doing the same thing day after day and he does it well in practice but then when he gets in the game he has a mental breakdown all right the first time, all right, that's shame on me because I'm not coaching you up enough. But by the second, third, and fourth, and fifth time, that's a you problem. And we're going to have to move on and find somebody else that won't turn the ball over when the game's on the line. It's just that simple. Yeah. Now,
1: I know Pat definitely has something to say about that for sure. So let me just add this real quick. Frank Keenan did shoot 40% from three last year.
0: Because he took one a game. <laughs> like you I know, I just, game. You I, just know it, say, I just had to say I just had to say I just had to
1: say but I loved it. I was, I was so jealous. When you texted me this take, I was so jealous of it because I want, I wanted this take to be mine, but I couldn't even take it from you. It's a great take. The main difference, though, is that Frank Nilekina is a backup point guard and Daniel Jones is a starting quarterback, right? But Correct. the parallels make so much sense. I've done this with Frank for four years now. I said, yo, look at this. He can shoot an open jump shot. Look at this. He plays good defense. Yo, he's busting his butt. He can do these things. He's going to be a player in the league. He's going to be a backup player. He's going to be helpful. He's going to be useful. All this stuff. I never gave up hope. And granted, I should have given up hope a little bit. Held on to the little sliver of him being a backup player and moved on my life, not spent so much energy on it. With Daniel Jones, his defenders say, hey, look at that deep out he just threw. It's amazing. Look at that bomb he just hit Slayton with. It's amazing. And they disregard the 12 other plays where he doesn't know what to do and he gets sacked because he panics. And that's what it is all about with Daniel Jones. No one's denying that he can't make a throw or that he can make a throw, I should say, but doing it consistently is the problem. So Pat, the floor is yours.
2: Uh, I mean, all I'm going to say is this, because as, as somebody that I do, uh, again, I, I, I've said it. I think Daniel Jones is in for a big year this year. I think he's going to have a breakout season. That's probably the best or the second best defense he's going to see all year. And again, I have no defense for the fumble you got to fucking slide. You can't turn that ball over there. That's a mistake that hopefully he goes, hopefully he learns from. And he goes, look, it would happen again in game one. It's not happening again the rest of the year. And if that happens, then that's awesome. And that's great. I mean, you know, and there was times too where he was staring down his guys, but you know, for a defense as good as the Denver Broncos with a front seven, he did only take two sacks, both against Von Miller. Mm -hmm. Uh, uh, with, with as bad as that offensive line is. So I do, there was a lot of times where he got the ball out quick. Um, and, and and look, all I'll say is this, because again, you can't really defend the Giants scoring seven points till the final play of the game too much uh, with how, you know, you did need him to come up with that big throw on that drive then where it was, you know, basically last gasp, and they turned it over on downs. You have to go in 14 plays, 70 yards and they had three chances at the end zone and he couldn't get it done. Um, what I'll say is this. I'm gonna I guarantee that the Giants win on Thursday night okay. against the Washington football Ooh. team.
0: Mm. Let's mm. go and strong take.
2: And I'm gonna guarantee that Daniel Jones has a big performance and the Giants season's right back on track. And I'm not just saying that just because I've been defending the Giants. Um, I just I just think they're that good. I think they're a good enough team to go in there and win on Thursday night. I know we gotta move on, Pete, so that's why I kind of wanted to finish with this.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: Giants are gonna win on Thursday night, and all is gonna be You know, back to, I wouldn't say, you know, good, but I think they're going to make up for this loss that they suffered on at home on Sunday. They're going to go in and beat the football team on Thursday. And the Giants are going to be heading into a game then after that with the Atlanta Falcons, who looked fucking awful. And the Giants fans are going to be saying, look, they win that game. It's two and one and everything's okay." And I think that's exactly what's going to happen.
0: I can see it. Hope I can so, see man. it. I'm a Giants fan. I'm a Giants fan. I, I want this. Same. I want this to work. The only one I who's not a Giants
1: fan here is Pat, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> Which I want is this funny. to work. But uh, only thing I have to add on that, because I think you make a fair point. It's very, very possible outcome that they beat Washington and they can beat Atlanta, right? Now, do I think they will? I don't think I will bet, bet on that, per se. But Denver's defense is good, led by a great front. Think about this division. Washington's front is very strong. That is a big strength of their defense. The Eagles' strength on defense is probably their front. And who's the best player on the Dallas Cowboys' defense? Demarcus Lawrence, right? So it's not like he's going to be going up against uh, cupcake defensive lines very frequently in division in the most important games. So that could be the worry in that regard, but there's many snaps, many attempts coming for Daniel Jones to make those strides, to make some steps, and hopefully not turn the ball over because – Every turnover from here on out in the eyes of the fans and probably in the evaluators at the top of the Giants, it feels like four turnovers. It feels like three turnovers. Just every one turnover is going to feel like a couple just based off the narrative, based off the pressure that they're all feeling, as you said, Pat, the triumphant hot seat. What is it?
2: The The holy triumvirate of hot seats. Yes. Jones, Gettleman, and Garrett.
0: Exactly. So I think that's good on the Giants. I I almost cried on Sunday. They said the last three years, Daniel Jones has a 34th QBR in the league. There's oh. only 32 teams. There's only 32.
1: He's going to he pop that 34. up to, he's going to pop that up to 32, bro. I hope he after this hope week. He I'm to I'm feeling it, baby. Get the 32, Daniel Jones. Come on, man. <laughs> come
0: on, come on. <laughs> come on. <laughs> come on. All right. Bring me back to life. Speaking
1: of other young quarterbacks, let's keep it in the New York, New Jersey area. And let's talk about the Jets for a few minutes before we bounce around the league. Um, not the revenge game. I don't know who the revenge was for. You know, Adam Gase is gone. I feel like it should have just been a celebration between Sam and Zach. They should have stood on the uh, 50 yard line and waved to the crowd and said, we're free. You know, we're, we're here. We get to play real football again. No more Adam Gase. So I don't know where the revenge actually lived in that game, but Sammy D versus the Jets and the Panthers, Zach Wilson debut, some good, some bad, some ugly, some beautiful out of Zach Wilson, Kyle Anderson, what was your take on Zach Wilson in his first start as uh, for the Jets? Obviously the point total for their offense didn't get too high. but did you see enough good? Did you see too much bad? Where did you land on Zach?
0: I saw a guy that hung in the pocket with a bad offensive line and made some big boy throws. all right and and one, one big thing that you can see from a quarterback if he if he's really got it is one if he hangs in the pocket. And all right if he hangs in the pocket does that ball have some velocity behind it after he stays in the pocket and those two things checked out so if I was a if I'm a Jets fan I'm very very and you know and pretty much enthusiastic and, and hopeful about his future because just from that game alone yeah he's going to make some mistakes as a rookie I'm sure but just talent alone okay talent alone and some of the decisions and the reads that he was making I was very impressed and there were some throws that Daniel Jones cannot make. I'll say that right now. Some of the throws that he made in his first game, I was like, dude, he's already like miles ahead of Daniel Jones and his and his just his progress as a, you know, pr- maybe just na- actual progress, you know, and his progressions as a quarterback in in a play, but also just how fast the ball was coming out, how, how quick his decision his decision making was, and. I was I was really impressed, honestly. Just I, w- I was kind of at a loss of words because I'm like, dude, this is this is the guy that you know we want, you know, <laughs> and the Jets have him. And it, it, if if they can just you know keep working on that offensive line, there's a lot that they have to work with. You know, if they just keep build, building that team around them, they're they're going to be just fine. Yeah,
1: I mean, I think the one big play that made the rounds is that. Play where he stepped up straight through the middle of the pocket and there was a defender literally biting at his kneecap. Shout out to Dan Campbell. like He was getting in Zach Wilson's grill and Zach Wilson didn't fade off to make this throw. He didn't step back to make the throw. He stood as strong as possible, took the hit right into the lower body and delivered a missile. I think Baldy Breakdowns, if y'all follow uh, Brian Baldinger on Twitter and Instagram, he posted it. He was going through it. He was having an aneurysm, as he does on every video he makes, which is just amazing content. Shout out to Baldy. But Jack Wilson made those wow moment throws, which is special. But uh, much like the Jets quarterbacks of the past and much like Daniel Jones, the big worry is will he have the time? It seems like he has the tools to make up for it as much as he could as a rookie to to do some things. And, And the one thing you have to like is that he does seem to have a knack for the breakdown plays where he can get out of the pocket and let it fly. And he is very comfortable, almost too comfortable throwing on the run. You almost want to see him just stand there more, but he has the gut seemingly to just stand there and take a hit and let it fly too. So there's a lot of positives. Obviously it wasn't all pretty, but no one was expecting all pretty for a Jets offense for this quarterback uh, in game one. Right? So Pat, what about you? How did you feel about Zach Wilson?
2: I think the fact that I was what I was impressed with most was how terrible of a first half he uh, along with the entire Jets offense had a first half and let me see if I can just count this up really quickly here Pete uh, negative one uh, 31 73 78 65 at first half that the Jets had 62 yards of total offense um, and the offensive line looked like they couldn't block my dead grandma uh, and the fact that Zach, yeah, he made made a bad made bad decision on the interception. The fact that all that happens and the Jets looked like they were maybe going to get shut out the entire game against Carolina, for them to then turn around have the second half they around the have touchdown. The, the touchdown he had was great. Where he's scrambling obviously, then chucks it on the run into the end zone wide open Corey Davis for the touchdown. Uh, I thought was great. I thought he showed a lot of resolve. I thought he you know the adjustment he was able to make in the first thirty minutes of his NFL career then to take that and transition to the second half. And even still with after they lose Becton and the offensive line was basically dog shit for most of the game for them, for him to then stand in the pocket, like you said, make some of the plays he was deliver some of the throws I thought was the, the, was the best thing for jets fans. It's almost as like the first half jets fans are like, Holy shit, here we go again. Mm -hmm. Here we go again. And then the second half, it's like, wow, if we can get a full game out of that, Right. You know, that's where you're, that's where you're starting to think as a team, like, all right, this is, this is where, where we want to be in terms of a rebuild with a year one quarterback, year one, year one coach, year one offensive coordinator. The jets can play the second, second half of football. Like they did on Sunday. They honestly, they're going to be in a good spot going forward. Cause it was great to see the way he was able to rebound from that bad first half and have the second half that he did.
1: Right. And the main priority for the jets right now, if we're all being honest here is not to get eight, nine, 10 wins. It's to be competitive week in week out. And that's what they seemingly can do. And, you know, you hate to compare Daniel Jones and Zach Wilson, but it's just such a natural comparison to make being here uh, in the market. But Zach Wilson was able to throw two touchdown passes in that second half, which was impressive. And it's something that Daniel Jones struggles to do every single week to put two touchdowns on the board, which is not a lot to ask in today's NFL. It's not a lot to ask at all. And you look at the weapons they got. Corey Davis made some nice plays. You know, you'll get Crowder back from the COVID list, uh, assuming this week, I would imagine. You got other guys who can do things at, from the receiver position. So it's not like he won't have talent. He won't have guys to throw it. My guy, Elijah Moore, slow start. But I remember texting the group chat on uh, one of their second-half drives. I was like, oh, my God, the Jets got a first down. Obviously, being very tongue-in-cheek, like, haha, ha the Jets suck. Y'all have got a first down. You can finally, like, see this offense do something. And then from that point on, they were getting a lot of first downs and making some nice plays. So definitely something to hang their hat on. Um, but nothing really to draw into as far as losing that game. The defense, obviously losing Carl Lawson is something that you can't just account for in one week. It's going to take a, a whole team effort to give you 75% of what he can bring to the table. So you got to give the defense a little time. you got to give Sala as a defensive guy sometime as you trust him to just maybe build this team uh, from a consistency standpoint defensively throughout the season. Uh, but yeah. You're not going to expect much, and to any Jets fan out there who thought you were going to walk into Carolina and just straight-up win a game and because Carolina's not that good either, think about it like this. Matt Rule is just one year down the road from where Robert Sala is. He's a little bit more ready. He's a little more primed up. He's got a lot of guys back. He's got the best player on the field in Christian McCaffrey who looked like he hasn't missed a beat from being injured all last year. They were the better team on Sunday, and, you know, If this team played again, which they're not going to, if this team played again in in six to eight to ten weeks, you would have probably really good reason to believe the Jets would be even more competitive, right? So there's definitely something to hang your hat on there. Any last words on the Jets here? Because I think there's not a ton for us to break down here. We're not going to go deep dive into every little thing. We know it's important to get Beckton back. It's really just about watching Zach Wilson and seeing if they can play competitive football week in, week out. So any, any last words there?
2: Uh, Yeah, I just, again, with the line, uh, you lose Becton, who's, you know, your best lineman on paper going into the season uh, with how how terrible the rest of that offensive line looked. Elijah Vera Tucker in his first game looked like a a, a rookie making his debut. George Fant looks like as bad as Nate Solder does for the Giants. I I am concerned, Pete, that that Zach Wilson is going to be able to go out there and repeat the second half that he had if he has an offensive line that is now down their best lineman against some of the front sevens they're going to face against the new England defense that did pretty damn well against Miami. I would maybe pump the brakes a little bit on just thinking now that it's going to be a steady upward progression. And, you mm. know, for not, not to be a Daniel Jones defender here yet again, but for somebody who was like, Oh yeah, nice little garbage time touchdown for Daniel Jones. Let's not forget stack Wilson had 150 yards of passing with four minutes left in the game. And then they go on a 10 play 93 yard drive where he hooks up for two giant passes. To give him basically half of his stats for that game. So I just want to throw it's that fair, out there. It's again. a
1: fair point, but those passes were damn impressive. And that little six yard that little six they yard scamper ma- wasn't that impressive to me.
2: I'm little, not taking that away I'm from you. I'm just him, bitter. Mind. I'm just
1: bitter here because I can't use that against I can't use the <laughs> the rushing touchdown stat against him. He already has one. That was a big stat for me this offseason, Pat. I needed it to hold on to it, all right? <laughs> no, you're right though. It's a it's a fair point. It's a very fair point. It's not gonna be uh all peaches and cream for the New York Jets moving forward. It's going to be a struggle, but you hope that it's just competent, semi, semi-competent, realistically, because they're going to be bad. They're going to win three, again, f- three four games. and look,
2: he, I, I think he's good enough. I think he's good enough to be the quarterback for this team. So then basically, I'm going to say it again. I'm probably going to say it every week. If Zach Wilson's not on the IR, uh, you know, we, on a week-to-week basis, it's okay. You're okay.
1: Right. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. All right. Pat Boyle, Kyle Anderson, Pete Kennedy, here on Subway Sports Talk. Thank you all for listening. Uh, of course, we have more Football to talk about here. And uh, there's one place to start. And we talked about it before we started recording. I don't want to spend a lot of time here. I don't know about all you guys listening right now. I listen to a bunch of NFL media. Between Monday and Friday. Well, every day. I listen to NFL talk during the NFL season. As much as I possibly can. Because I love a bunch of the shows I listen to. And it's the NFL, man. We all love this stuff. I'm already tired of the Packers week one conversation. I don't want to talk that much about it. Aaron Rodgers looked... Worse than terrible. I don't know how to explain how bad he looked. It's unfathomable to watch Aaron Rodgers do this. But, uh, you know, it happens to him seemingly once a year where he comes out, and it was against the Bucks last year. They got absolutely embarrassed, demolished the whole nine. It happened this, year, uh, this week in week one after his funky offseason of him complaining and being dramatic and all this stuff. I don't know what else to say about it. I think the Packers are going to come out in the next two weeks and look like the Packers and Aaron Jones, isn't going to get you four fantasy points. And Aaron Rodgers is not going to throw zero touchdowns. It's just something that I would bet on not happening again. So I don't know if I'm being too confident here. I don't want to spend a whole lot of time on it, but Kyle, when you think about this Packers week one and Aaron Rodgers, do you want to make a big stink about it? Or do you want to just wait and see if things go back to normal in week two, and then we can rediscuss
0: later. No, I, I think as much as the – you know, the – the it was just a terrible week for, for Aaron Rodgers at, at the end of the day. It was a terrible week. And after all the drama from this offseason, that doesn't help his case at all just because, you know, everyone's like, dude, like you, you didn't want to be a part of this team, but, I mean, he, you didn't look good at all. So that doesn't help him. But also I, I guess I won't hit the panic button yet. It's just because they play despite how – you know, they, they showed some fight against the Niners last week. They play the lions on Monday night. (laughs) They'll be okay. Yeah. They'll be all right. Uh, And, and it's just the Packers just don't lose to the lions. So I, I, I think they'll, and they're at home. So I think they'll be able to bounce back and uh, you know, it, it, it'll be, it'll be a party in green Bay. I'm sure. I'm I'm sure everything will be back to normal once uh, he's back in the rhythm and, and, you know, run game will get going and, and you know you'll see some bigger windows for him to throw into and it'll just it, it, it's always you know what steve young always says it the first four weeks are always still the preseason so and now more than ever yeah you know and especially now with you know you only get a couple games in the preseason so you know what these first couple games you can always find out what a team really is after the first war you kind of give them the benefit of the doubt especially if it's aaron Rodgers.
1: Pat, where do you land on this? Do you want to, do you want to make a thing of it? You want to wait? Like, is it somewhere? Is it a story? Is it a non-story? What do we got?
2: Uh, I just think, I mean, I think you hit it pretty perfectly. He has that one game really, it seems like every year where he just does not show up and things snowball very quickly. And when the Packers for a team that has such a high flying offense, like we, you know, you see all the time, the chiefs and it happened again on Sunday, they get down double digits and it's like not a worry in the world because they have the offense to literally take the lead within five minutes. And it seems like for as good as the Packers offense is. And as, as much as they can put up points, they never do that when they go down early. So if the Packers go down early, it just completely snowballs. Like they're not a team for as great as they are on offense, I feel like they can overcome early deficits like early deficits like that, and it happened again on Sunday, and it was just a complete shit show. And I think Rogers had one of the worst games in his career. Look, I'm not gonna make a storyline out of this like everybody else is, and you know, kind of fit a square peg into a round hole with oh, you know, the, the whole offseason he had, and then look, I, that's all on his mind, and his teammates don't. And I think that's bullshit. I think right. Aaron Rodgers. His, his new team,
1: girlfriend. Like, come on. Yeah, I
2: think Aaron Rodgers and this team is yeah. going to win 11 to 12 games this year. I think they're going to be, again, a contender in the NFC. Um, I think you're right. The running game will get there. Was it a concern? Yeah, I mean, yeah, obviously. But, again, let's, like, do people forget how great this, the Saints defense is year in and year out? Right? Yeah. That's the reason, one of the big reasons why, even with an aging Drew Brees, uh, that's why they were so successful over the last few years, because how great their defense is and how great they were again on Sunday with Marshawn Lattimore gets a gigantic contract extension. Now, then all of a sudden he needs surgery on his thumb might be out for like a week or two but guys like him, Quan Alexander, Cam Jordan Marcus Davenport, like that's a fucking stacked defense Mm -hmm. yet again so it's not like it was like again the storyline, oh Jameis Winston and and that's another thing really quickly because I'm going off on another tangent if I see one of those fucking apology form tweets one more time I'm going to lose my mind Jameis Winston threw 32 interceptions a couple of years ago It's not like he's a, he's been a great quarterback, and he and he was throwing to Mike Evans.
1: Yeah. Like, oh, like, who are we And Chris kidding Godwin.
2: You? And Chris Godwin, who are we kidding, trying to like say that, that Jameis Winston has been a great quarterback this whole time? He hasn't. He had a great game, and he had the <clears> comfort <throat> of his defense, putting him in excellent starting fueling position almost every single drive. He completed 14 passes for 148 yards. He had five touchdowns, because that's yeah. how bad the Packers played. Right. So – that's one overreaction I need to take care of is Jameis Winston. Uh, sudden, Jameis Winston's an elite quarterback now. And he you know what? And
1: the- I, I'm with you here too, because you can think that Jameis is going to be better this year without freaking out so far that it's like, make your right. apology as loud as your hate. Like, come on. No, the, all the hate was warranted. Yeah. My guy was trying to eat his fingers doing some weird stuff. Right. His press conferences are batshit. 95% of the time. The only higher percent of his, than his interception rate is his batshit press conferences. But I love Jameis, and I'm pulling for him all day, every day. I wanted Wait, him who playing maybe, over Drew Brees last year. Heck, maybe, it I don't
2: maybe care. he might be an elite quarterback now that he got low, all he needed was LASIK surgery. Yeah, right. He can Dude, see.
0: <laughs> did, you, did you see him? Did you see him in the interview after the game? And he was like, "Yes, yeah, oh my god." Like, he was like, any, any words, you know, of advice, you know, you gotten from some guys recently? was like, "Well, you know, like my trainer just told me, you know, to he he, he just told me <laughs> to be prepared. He told me to so be I forget prepared. I forget like, what he told me, but." Oh my god! I what he told me, but he, he he was like he literally like you you could tell he stuttered and he was like, "Yo, am I really about to lie on national TV and say some bullshit?" And he was like, "He, he just told me to be prepared." I was like, "Good job, Janus. You're growing.
2: you You're getting. You're getting,
0: you're, gro- you're you're growing up." Yeah, How so the yeah, defense in the running game give overall shape to the way this played out, Jameis? Well, I just think we were prepared. You know, one thing my uh, my trainer, he told me, he said, what did he say? He just told us to be prepared. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great poll, Pete. What did he say? Yeah, he just <laughs> said to be prepared. Like, man, if you don't shut up. Oh, <laughs> uh, my <gosh. laughs>
2: yeah so you know again saints terrific defense as always you have alvin kamara you know they (laughs) will get uh you know michael thomas back at some point this year which obviously is even you know maybe if they do get him back but for the playoffs that's all that matters you know going forward because they're going to be a playoff team um so again the defense is still as good as ever rogers shit the bed things snowballed quickly as they usually do when they get down early uh, which is always a cause for concern, but I think, you know, he'll be fine. The offense will be fine. I don't think we need to overreact to it. I think it was just the worst possible way to start off for him in a year in which there's obviously going to be so much scrutiny. And I think, as you said, with how bad the lions are, I'm not going to look too much into the, the the 49ers nearly blowing that game. Mm-hmm. I think the lions stink. I think the, the the Packers will get right back on on track on Monday night.
1: Yeah. I mean that division, it might be top two, Or three worse now in the in the in the league. The Vikings did not look great. The Bears, Uh, Lions, not very good. No.
0: And and the Lions just lost Ocuda for a year. So now they have like zero DBs. You know, (laughs) he was like the guy. Yeah. And now he's gone. So
2: you see him getting ripped out ripped too by uh what what was the coach? I forget the coach's name.
0: Yeah, I did see that. Just ripping into him. And then like the players had to step in. And then like after the fact, I saw they like like you know, almost like hugged it out or whatever. And then my man's up for the year anyway. So terrible. Great. Yeah. Hate, grand opening, to grand closing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. exactly. <laughs> and now,
1: you know what? If, if the lions uh, beat the Packers on Monday night, next week, we guarantee we'll spend more time discussing, or if the Packers win like 12 to 10 or like something just disgusting, we'll we'll spend some more time maybe breaking down what's actually wrong with the Packers. But until then we shall move on. And that brings me to a topic. I'm very Excited about. I'm a little worried because so far through one week, I am not on the right end of this. I've been pushing back on a take from one Pat Boyle. So Pat, the floor is yours. Your Arizona Cardinals are the talk of the town as far as positives are concerned at least because we always like to talk the negatives more. But positive wins in the league. Cardinals, top of the list. Kyler Murray looking like a god on the football field this week. It was impressive this is your team, your ride or die in 2021, Pat Boyle. Give it to me. What was your take watching the Cardinals?
2: Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I hate to say I told you so, but <laughs> no, I mean, they looked, man, they, they, looked, uh, they looked dominant from start to finish in that game. And they, they absolutely tore apart a Tennessee Titans team that I think is as good as they were the last two years. I think that's still a playoff team. But, you know, you hold Derrick Henry to under 60 yards rushing, Uh, It's pretty damn good. Uh, You know, the, the most intimidating, powerful running back in the league. One of the hardest hitting safeties in the league. So yeah, you're able to, you're able to limit Derrick Henry. One, obviously that's going to set you up for victory. Um, Two, you're able to absolutely just rip apart that Tennessee offensive line. Um, Are you kidding me with the game that uh, that Jones had? Like, are you, are you absolutely serious with the game that Chandler Jones had five sacks two forced fumbles, absolutely was Tannehill's worst nightmare. And again, he did most of that damage against all pro tackle Taylor Luan coming back from his first game off the injury. Maybe that's the reason why, but he destroyed him. And he destroyed Tannehill and the Cardinals destroyed the Tennessee Titans defense, which I think could be the only reason they missed the playoffs this year because their offense is stacked, but the defense has been getting worse and worse. But again, I want to keep the focus on the Cardinals because I think this offense is perfectly set up to have an NFC an NFC title run season with Murray. If he can have an MVP season from start to finish, he had a phenomenal first half of the season last year. I've been saying since the offseason that I think he's gonna put it all together for 17 games. And you get AJ Green, I think, as a you know, not necessarily a revival. He's been kind of, you know, basically hurt the last couple of years. He's still AJ Green. I think again, him and Hopkins and the running back duo. And I and I think now, now with how good this defense is with Chandler Jones and Watt. And Marcus Golden, and if the if the secondary can rise up to the the occasion and play up to their expectations and play a little bit better than a lot of people are giving them credit for, uh, dude, this Cardinals team is going to be dangerous. And I'm glad that they showed out right in Week One because now I can I can really go. 100% on the Cardinals' mm. ship here from start to finish.
1: Absolutely. The only thing that's tough for your narrative here is that that division still just looks fantastic top to bottom, right? Yeah. And that, so that that's, that's a tough. reason.
2: That's a reason why I think I think they're going to surprise some people.
1: Uh, yeah, it, it's going to be incredible every single time that NFC West opponents face off. Yeah, we'll be glued. We talked about it last year how exciting they were. They've all gotten better, right? Like the Seahawks got a new offensive coordinator who's hopefully you know, diversifying their portfolio offensively a little bit, making them do some more things, not being so, you know, just we have to run the ball a hundred times or else, you know, Pete Carroll always kind of has that flavor on his offense, even though he's not the offensive coach. The new guy from the Rams is going to let it ride a little more. Uh, the Rams are going to let it, it's going to be an air show. They're going to let it rip all year long. That could lead to some tough games here and there if it doesn't hit or some turnovers happen, but it's going to be an absolute air show Uh, for the Rams and then the Niners. Yeah, they blew it a little bit later on. They're going to be a well-oiled machine. It doesn't matter who's running the ball for them. Raheem Mostert back on the IR. It's crazy that it happened this quick that this year. Um, but you can trust all those teams. The Cardinals are going to be right there. Now I would say this is a candidate for one of those wins early in the season that feels so freaking awesome right now, but there's a chance that we look back on this Titans defense And we say, wow, that defense is one of the worst in the league. And the whole league is killing them. And then maybe we say, all right, maybe it wasn't that impressive. The Cardinals slowed down a little bit. I think there's a possibility that that can go down. Kyle, I don't actually know your take on Kyler Murray. I don't know your take on the Cardinals here, so I'm going in blind. Do you think it's more aligned with what Patty Boyle is saying, with the hype is real for the Cardinals? Or do you think this was catching a team with a new offensive coordinator and a bad defense in the right moment.
0: I believe the hype is real. And the hype is real because one Kyler Murray is your quarterback and obviously you have some weapons, but that defense, man, they get after the quarterback. And this is, this is one of the things that I think has held, you know, kind of held them back a little bit was their defense was always kind of like low key suspect. All right. But, now that their offense is so elite, and you have, you know, obviously you add J.J. Watt, you have Chandler Jones, who's now playing for a contract, and obviously in his first game, he's like, "Yo, I'm trying to get paid," you know, five sacks, and he's, you know, you see him doing the money celebration. <laughs> it's on his mind when he's playing. You know, what I mean, he's like, "Dude, I'm playing for a check right now," and you know, and then Marcus Golden, the guy that you know, just as a Giants fan, they just like shed a tear. It's like, man. And, the, like, the one that got away, like, Katy Perry, like, damn, man, like, I wish we signed him, but we didn't sign him. And, you know, they have a good like, – guys that are kind of versatile. Like, the guy Simmons Simmons and Buddha Baker, if you're a defensive coordinator, those are two guys that can make you right. What I mean by that is just that you can make a call and you could be like, oh, man, like, they just came out in that formation like shit, like, you know, they might have us here. And those are just two guys that are just ball hawks, two guys that are just going to make a play that are going to make you right as a coach. And they're going to go and make a play like, all right, well, instead of a game for 25, they just got a game for five or a game for four. All right, here we go. Now I can really open up, open up the playbook. You know, and now it's only third and six as opposed to first and 10 in the red zone. And if you have guys that can do that and you have two guys on the edge with Watt and Jones that can rush the passer, you're, you're, you know, your, your potential and your your play calls can – your playbook opens up. Your your potential is now, all right, dude, I know we can do these basic things. Now we can kind of do some things that I've – you know, as a coach, you can be like some things that I've always wanted to do, but I've never had the talent to. Now this D coordinator can really open up his playbook. I'm like, dude, now we can kind of play around and, and have some fun and really dial up some blitzes or really dial up some coverages that I haven't been able to do before. But now I've got some guys that can and, uh, and again, you got DeHop, you got uh, Jeff, you know, uh, I was about to say Jeff Green, you got AJ Green and Murray got that in his third year now, it just looks like he's just one, he moves at a different speed. Uh-huh. And then two, it looks like he's actually like playing quarterback. Like he's not just running around and just finding guys. Yes. When he needs to create, he will, but he's going through progressions. He's not just, all right, Hey, I'm just going to stare at this guy. I'm going to stare at DeHop and just, just rip it. There are times where you got to let a guy make a play, but you can tell that he's still like reading the defense. He's not just going out there and winging it. They're going to be dangerous. It's it's crazy because, in my opinion, I think the Niners may be the worst team in the division, but it's not like they're going to be like six and eleven bad. They're going to be like they're all winning eight games
1: minimum. You know, Yeah, yeah, easy. Minimum,
0: and that's going to be they're going to be the lowest, you know, what might be the last team in the division? They're going to win eight games. And they were, I'm pretty sure, they were uh, Vegas
1: favorites. Niners are Vegas favorites to win the division, so that's all you need to know about that division, you know what I mean? But uh, two things that you guys didn't even mention with the offense first of all, Christian Kirk, shout out. I was gonna, I was gonna say, did did I say that in our live show on Sunday morning? I was like, the best thing about AJ Green is that he doesn't even have to be the number one or the number two. There's Christian Christian Kirk. Christian Kirk's out there, and Rondell Moore. I think A.J. Green could be the fourth receiver on this offense, and when A.J. Green, whether he's 32 or 42, if he's your fourth receiver, we're out here. You know, Kirk's been solid for five years now. Rondell Moore is a promising rookie with some serious speed and some, you know, some thick boy size. He's ready to run through some folks if he gets the ball in space too. So, ah, it's exciting, man. And the one play that was so freaking cool is when he took that – like, hardcore drop back. Like, he basically didn't even take a regular, you know, not a five-step drop. He took, like, a 14-step sprint backwards and chucked it up into the into the right corner of the end zone. Kyle, what, as a quarterback, what kind of drop back is that? When you just bail out purposely so far back, knowing where your guy's going to be, knowing you have the arm strength to make it off the back foot. Like, it's, a, it's like a step back fade away from the logo equivalent in football. Dude.
0: Ridiculous, man. That's that's the get busy special. That's just, you know what I mean? Like, I, I tell the kids sometimes, like, hey, man, you get the ball, you just got to get busy, bro. Do something with it. And that's exactly what he did. That was a total remix. I've never coached a, quarter, a quarterback to do that in my life. But when you're a freak like that and you literally jump off the ground to throw a fade. You're just like, all right, yeah, man. That kid's just different. Like, I can't coach that. You know what I mean? That's just something you can't coach. That's when the offensive coordinators
1: in the box like, damn, I love coaching this guy.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Exactly, man. He just makes me right all the time. He makes me look so good. You know, that OC is going to get a job eventually. And he's like, yo, man. Dude, yo, you coach Colin Murray, man. I need you to do the same thing with Daniel Jones. You're gonna be a killer. <laughs> yeah. <that'd be laughs> and sick. the OC is gonna be like, Yeah, no, I'm not taking on Jones. <laughs> That's sick. <laughs> I uh, know what he can do. Uh,
1: yeah. Pat, two questions. Did you? I didn't hear his name get called. I just checked the stats. zaven Collins only had two tackles, but you have any thoughts on him in this defense here as the the rookie linebacker who, you know, is kind of just stepping into a spot here. They're trusting him, first round pick. He didn't do much. Simmons kind of stole the show, and Buda Baker's the big name besides Chandler Jones, really. Is Avin Collins a guy who you might look forward to, to make a, a big boost on this defense over time?
2: Yeah, I, I think so. Sorry, I was, I was muted. Um, I think so. Um, again, I think it helps that, you know, the second straight year the Cardinals use a first-round pick on a linebacker, and Isaiah Simmons has, you know, after his first game, he led the team with nine tackles, seven solo, um, seems like he's every bit as advertised coming out of, uh, coming out of Clemson. So I think that takes a lot of expectations off Zayvon Collins, right. uh, that you've got a second year guy that's doing his job and, you know, just kind of following in line with him. Um, and look, obviously it was, uh, it was, it was a bit of a tough summer for Zayvon Collins. You know, he gets arrested for, what was it? Reckless driving right back in June. Mm. Um, so he then, yeah, look, It's he's he's. I don't think he's going to have as big of expectations as as Simmons did. Uh, That being said, if he's somebody that that plays up to his, you know, again they took him fifteenth overall. Yeah. So if he if he can live up to his expectations and kind of fit in with the rookie year that Isaiah Simmons had, which kind of got better and better as the year gone on and kind of produced across the board, was able to do some nice things in pass coverage, able to stop the run, then then it's cake. You know, again I think they've got so much talent. He's got so much talent around him now that they're again there's not that much uh there's not a ton on his shoulders, you know, which again, is probably the getting, best
1: place to be, right? Like
2: exactly. When you're getting Chandler Jones having the games he's having, and you got Buda Baker, the commander of that secondary. Oh yeah. And not to mention they've got two of the youngest, they got the youngest cornerback tandem in the entire league. They got a rookie, Marco Wilson, and they got Byron Murphy who's a who was a draft pick last year. A couple of mid round corners. It dude, they they like again, they showed out. Mm. Byron Murphy had three pass deflections. Marco Wilson did a great job and you stopped Derrick Henry. Like again, now I'm really, yeah. I'm really right. icing right. up the Cardinals well, let's here. Let's slow
1: it down. Let's slow it down. I
2: will. I mean, one more thing, yeah, one more yeah. thing really quickly too. It's not just a, it's not just an all, all air out attack for, for the Arizona Cardinals between Edmonds, Connor and Kyler Murray. They ran the ball 33 times for 136 yards.
1: That's legit. Wow. That's legit, and that's team, ball control. I think
2: control. team's balanced. Yeah, the ball control, I think they're balanced, man. I think they're very deep.
1: That's a perfect segue to my next point because before we moved off this game, too, is we have, like, two more games I want to talk about. Um, fantasy owners are looking at this game like, all right, I got D-Hop, I got Kyler. know uh, Maybe you got A.J. Green, maybe not. Like, you got A.J. Brown, you got Derrick Henry, you got Julio Jones, and all of a sudden, if you got A.J. Brown or you got Derrick Henry, you keep checking the app if you're watching Red Zone, like, do the Titans have the ball? Like, what What are the Titans doing? Are, are, we, are they running any plays? Like, what's going on here? Like, they just didn't have the ball. So that's perfect from you. That's a great call. They were controlling the entire game. Even though they did score hella quick on a couple plays, they were just controlling that game. Uh, and Julio Jones had a couple opportunities to, I don't want to say bail out because it wasn't a bailout type of catch, but he had opportunities to make very impressive catches that Julio Jones can and should make in the end zone, near the end zone, in the red zone, that he didn't make. There weren't bad balls. They hit him in the hands. They were well defended. Julio could have, should have, would have caught them. I don't know if anyone knows the ball I'm talking about. Over the middle, he was in the left slot. He came across, and the ball was like in his ear hole, hot. Tannehill threw a bullet at him, and he didn't come down with it. It would have been a touchdown early in the game. It could have been a big difference. Uh, You know, we got to see if this offense can figure it out and how long it might take because we love Julio, we love AJ Brown. We've all been coming around on Tannehill over the past two years. Not a good start for them in week one offensively. So And we'll also an also eye.
0: new offensive coordinator in uh, Tennessee. Right. No more so Arthur Smith. That plays a yeah, man, that plays a big part in that. You know, you lose a lot of a lot of rhythm as a quarterback and obviously just the offense itself, you know, and, and having some continuity. So hopefully they can pick it up.
1: Yeah, and Tannehill Julio, you know, first games really playing together. So we'll see how long it takes for them to figure it out. I'm sure it won't be too, too long here. All right, let's move on. I do want to talk about, um, also, no, I'll save that for later. I do want to talk about uh, the Dolphins-Patriots very quickly here, and then I want to finish up on the Browns and Chiefs before we do no regrets. So 17-16, coulda, shoulda, woulda, without the fumble, Patriots woulda won that game, perhaps. You know, I still have to make a field goal. They still have to do some other things to make sure the Dolphins don't come back themselves. But that was a tight one. I think both teams walk away with a lot of positives and a handful of negatives. That's a division battle that I think we'll be excited to watch when they come back for a rematch. We'll be excited to watch both teams play the bills obviously this year, but what were the true takeaways there? Because I think when you really do break it down, you can say some good for Tua, some bad for Tua, some good for Mac, some bad for Mac and vice versa. So even though the dolphins won, are you will, willing or ready to say that one team is actually the better team here?
0: Uh, I guess I was, you know, what I will say is there are two, obviously two young quarterbacks, right? And obviously your team's going to go as the quarterback goes. I think those are two guys that when you, when you draft a quarterback in the NFL, I think one of the biggest things is you want to draft a quarterback. That's not going to lose you games. Right, a guy that's going to help us win games, and not that's a team that's not going to hurt us, you know, hurt your pro, hurt your organization, on the field with their decision making. Obviously, whatever off the field, but those are two guys that are not going to make terrible decisions, I think. And and obviously, Mac Jones hasn't really played that much, but at least just from watching him in the preseason and watching him going through his progressions, he's very okay with checking the ball down, which is great, right? But he also can throw the ball down the field and throw it in tight windows to it obviously has a lot to prove and this is he's coming off you know now his second year of his hip you know his hip surgery which I I want to see what he can do um and it's crazy because obviously he had a, his, his rookie year and he wasn't like god-awful terrible but he's been mentioned in all these Deshaun Watson traits which I I kind of just didn't understand right away to pull the trigger on and Flores apparently, you know, some reports came out that you know they, they said in team meeting that you know that Tua is our guy, and you know I think they should run out with Tua. You know this is this is a team with a lot of potential, in a team that you know can probably is, is probably the next up to contest with the Bills. You know after after watching that that game with the Steelers, who knows? You know maybe it was a, it was a flash in the pan, or maybe the Bills are for real. You know obviously he's, he's still have. Kind of that four week cutoff, you know, for our, our quote unquote preseason for the regular season, but this is a this is a matchup. This is a, just a division that it can kind of go any way, any way Besides, I guess the Jets. So.
1: <laughs> Facts, though. Yeah. No, no, no arguments there.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I agree, and you know, I, I think in terms of what both guys showed, obviously, Tua showed. Uh, the composure, uh, that, you know, we're looking for, I think, again, the big thing for him this year is to be able to sling the ball. They got to be able to throw the ball down the field. You know, they can't nickel and dime teams. Uh, it's going to win you as many games as it did last year, but it's not going to put them over the hump, which, you know, again, you're, you're looking to get a playoff spot and you're looking to do some damage in the in the playoffs. You're looking to win a game on wildcard weekend. You're looking to then push a, a Buffalo bills, a Kansas city chiefs, a Cleveland Browns in the next round as well. Like it's not just, okay. You know, we, we won 10 games again this year. And, you know, we had a, we had a pretty good year and we think to now like this is a year for them to take a big step forward and they've got the defense to do so. They've got a, a turnover, a takeaway machine type defense with Xavier and Howard leading the charge and McCourty and Byron Jones. Um, and again, it's a special teams, that's as good as any in the NFL. So you know, again, I, I, think from what you saw from both quarterbacks, I, I think Tua showed, uh, again, you know, a good maturity in the, in his second year. Um, and I think Mac Jones, you know, showed a lot in his rookie debut, you know, not, not, not throwing any interceptions, uh, throwing the ball basically 40 times for almost 300 yards, you know, spreading out the attack. They got some good job, good, good, uh, good ground game, especially from Harris, you know, a hundred yards. But, uh, again, I just, I, I, I want to see Tua, you know, really kind of take over games this year. And I think that's going to be important to see is in when Miami's down to a one score game is, can they win it with their offense? Cause we saw them win it with their defense. We saw them force that fumble late in the game. And that was the decider. What I'm looking for is can Tua and can this Miami offense win games when needed? So I, I think that's the big thing. And, you know, I think that was, I think it was a great game between yeah, the, the Dolphins and Patriots, two teams that, you know, one, one's probably gonna be in the playoffs this year. One's probably not going to be.
1: Yeah, it was it was a fun one. There's a like yeah with that AFC West looking the way it's looking, it doesn't seem like two of them are going to make it in uh, with the you know Chargers or who knows with the Raiders, Bron- Broncos can be in the mix. It's going to be tough to get two from the AFC East. I, I think I agree with you. And the one thing that worries me, and I'm, I'm a Tua defender for sure. I, I'm rooting for the guy. I think he has the juice. I'm big on giving him this year based off the injury and the offensive coordinator that he had last year the offense set up for Fitzpatrick. He deserves a full leash for this year, of course, a million percent. But there is occasions where you see him make a decision where he says, oh, I'm about to get hit or I'm running out of time here. I'm going to fling it. And that's like you don't really want your quarterback doing that very often until you are a elite-level guy where you know it's it's trust. And I think in that ball he threw in the interception – He was trying to throw it away, and he got hit, didn't quite make it out of bounds. It looked like that, but that was the type of play that is worrisome uh, when he looks so good on time, and then he gets the pressure, and he just goes for it. Like in Alabama, he was letting it ride, and he was going for it, and it was working. So that's a little worrisome. That's the one thing I'm looking for when the pressure's in his face. Does he figure out how to take the throw away or do all those things that are a little safer without – losing the ability to take take a risk, like finding that balance, basically. You don't want to go too far in either direction. So that's what I'm watching for, for Tua. If I had a bet, though, who's going to have a better record this year? I think I'm still riding the Dolphins. I think the hype train on uh, New England is a little too tight, Maybe it's a little too hardcore for me right now. Maybe I've been listening to too much Bill Simmons because he's out here saying they're going to be a 12-win team and Oh, he, of course. He did. Well, and you know, he's not usually that guy with, with his own team. Like, he's usually, like, uh, mentally hedging, trying to say, like, downplay it and then be happy when they win. But he was like, they do guest the lines. Y'all listen to Bill Simmons at all or no? They do guest the lines on Mondays with Cousin Sal. And he guessed that the Patriots would be nine-point favorites over the Jets. And I was like, what? Nine-point favorites? Like, that is a huge spread. Like, what are you talking about? It was a four and a half point open, so he yeah, wasn't even it's close. Kind of five and a half now. Yeah, so it's up to five and a half, which it probably should be like six and a half or something like that, yeah. right? But nine, I was like, oh my god, the Kool Aid is being drunk over there by BS. Yeah, but maybe I'm just overreacting to stuff like that. But I do think the Dolphins have the juice. I think they have the skill players. Uh, I like where I like where they're going. So, and if uh, one shout out for Rocco Del Piero, we got B Flow from Brooklyn, calling the shots for Miami, and we love that. So let's move on. Talk about the Chiefs and the Browns. One of the games of the weekend. Oh, actually, we have two more games quickly to talk about. So let's not go too long here because we also want to talk about that Monday night barn burner, if you will. Chiefs-Browns, probably the game of Sunday as far as comebacks, closeness, dramatics, all this stuff. It was great. Pat, you are the resident Browns fan here. Definitely a tough one for you guys. You got to still be feeling pretty good, though, right? Like there was a lot of impressive stuff out of the Browns on Sunday. You just ran into a superhero. Is that how you're feeling or am I being too easy for you guys?
2: No. Yeah. Again, that's a, that's a game that come January, they're going to need to win because we might see that matchup again for the second straight year in the playoffs, Browns chiefs. And this time, Chad Henney's not going to be in for Mahomes, who has no clue where he is. You know, there's, there's not going to be, who knows? I mean, you can never predict injuries, but again, like the Browns are, like they had a chance to beat Mahomes. They had a chance to beat Kansas City at Arrowhead. And they came up short. And it's it's like that I think it was Breaking Bad, right? Where it's uh uh Aaron Paul and he and he's like talking, he's like, He can't keep getting away with this. That's how I feel watching the <laughs> yes. fucking Chiefs offense go down <laughs> double digits every time and coming back to win every single time. Like they can't keep getting away with this. Sooner or later, a team has to put them away and bury them. And nobody can. And, I mean, again, you know, their offense is, is a fucking juggernaut. You know, Mahomes, Tyreek, you know, Michael McC- Hardman, Kelsey, obviously. And, and if Clyde Edwards-Hilaire can stay healthy and they can have a, a semblance of a running game, they're going to they're gonna be even that much more dangerous. And, again, they did that with a rookie center and a rookie guard, Creed Humphrey and Trey Smith. I was looking at some of their uh, their, their grades from pro football focus and take that what you will, you know, maybe with a grain of salt sometimes, especially after just one game. But the, the offensive line, which had a lot of turnover – Looked pretty damn good. And I was like, that's a big question mark because we saw what the Kansas city chiefs are without an offensive line in the super bowl. And you see what any team is without an offensive line. You're not going to do much. So uh, Joe Tooney from New England was great. And again, the rookies on the line were great for them as well. So, but again, Cleveland goes up there. The thing I said with the chiefs this year that I think could ultimately be their downfall is their defense with how much they've been, they have to pay these guys on offense they don't. They don't. They can't have a star. A star-studded defense as well. Like they need Matthew to be a, an absolute stud. They need Shavarius Ward to be a lockdown corner. They need Frank Clark and Chris Jones to get after the quarterback. And um, you know, I, I think that defense is suspect. And the Browns were running all over them. And mm. the Browns were scoring. They were getting quick offense. It was you know, it was great. I think Baker looked phenomenal in the first half. Again, Chubb and Hunt tremendous. They're running all over them. And Joku, the Jersey guy, showing out with a couple of big catches. And then, of course the second half comes and the pressure got to Baker and the pressure got to the chief, uh, the pressure got to the Browns and they cough one up right after as the second half begins. The punter. And then, Ugh. yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, they, they fumble the punt and then, you know, late in the game with a chance to come down and, and take the lead or win it. And Baker throws a pick while he's, you know, he's basically, he gets tripped from behind and he's trying to throw the ball out of bounds, kind of similar to, to what Tua did. And he throws an interception right to Hughes. So, um, Look, three turnovers in the second half aren't going aren't gonna to win you a football game, especially against the Kansas City Chiefs. The Browns basically, you know, melted. And uh, again, that's a game in January that they're going to have to learn how to win. And I think it was a big teaching point for them on Sunday. That being said, Pete, again, I, I love where this Browns team is. I'm not ready to build in, buy into the Super Bowl hype that a lot mm. of people are putting on them this year. Uh, as, a, as a fan of the Browns, if they won that game, I would be like, wow, okay, maybe it is all systems go. Maybe this team is good enough to win the Super Bowl. I'm not there yet. AFC they title need to be hype. Able to, they need. I'm hearing it from a lot of people. I know no, JJ no, 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 hasn't. I'm, been... I'm
1: saying, are you feeling the AFC title hype? No, me?
2: not yet. All right. If they won that game, maybe. But that's a game they need to learn how to win. And I, I think it was you. a good lesson. It was a good lesson for them. So they're not there yet. They're definitely not there yet. Um, and who knows what the hell we're gonna get out of the Pittsburgh Steelers this year? Because I thought they were gonna be down. They're gonna grind. They're already. Man. They're already starting to make me eat some of my words with that win against Buffalo. But all in all, I think the Browns had a great first 20 minutes or so and then after that you are uh, not 20 minutes great first like 40 minutes or so and then after that you you saw you saw the writing on the wall but yeah it was a fantastic game you know i, I love listening to Nance and romo so all in all it, well, i think it was the game of sunday
1: it was great and uh i agree with all the points i just adore watching nick chubb run the football what a fuck a fucking special guy he's insane his balance and his determination and reading holes and bursts. It's just off the charts. I love watching him run. I don't, like, he doesn't get the volume as the top tier backs in the league, especially if you're talking fantasy. But pound for pound, man, best runner in the game. Easy for me. I love it. Uh, Kyle, I want to ask you specifically, though, about the meme that they asked Patrick Mahomes about. Like, when they say, well, fuck it, Tyreek got to be down there somewhere. (laughs) As as our resident quarterback. As our resident quarterback. What is that like? And when, when you got a dude, I know you play with some dudes in high school. Like, yeah. what's it like? Obviously, Pat Mahomes is incredibly special. He put that ball in a, in like a, in a great place. But what's it like to, to be running for your life or get hit? You have no idea where you actually threw it. And then you hear the crowd cheer or whatever. Like, what is that feeling like when you throw it up and you say, hey, my guy's got to be down there somewhere?
0: <laughs> dude, shout out shout out to Anthony Nyers, Cody Zalazar, Keith Hughes, Olin, Julian, all those guys, man. Cause dude, there was to be times where like I would throw it and we we had two guys that kind of just we had like two guys that ran. I mean, they ran every single route in a tree, but we I mean we had either height advantage and like just vertical like leap advantage with Cody that we could throw fades and like, you know, guys would go up and make plays and just like you know, just out jump guys for, for jump balls or whatever. So there would be times where like, you know, you get hit as you throw it and it's almost damn near. It looks like you throw with your eyes closed and you're just like, like, you know, you're on the ground and, <laughs> and you're just like, sit, just like on your back and you're like, please, please someone cheer, please someone cheer. It's <laughs> like, ah, all right, all right, all right, good, good, good. But dude, like Mahomes, like the meme is so true because if you look, like, that one play he scrambled, like, past, like, Miles Garrett, and he just chucks it. It literally just looks like he just, like, chucks it with his eyes closed. And then Tyreek Hill, like, is beating the guy. That rundown he, is he's crazy. Like, he's like, he's like oh, you know what? Uh, ball's, ball's a little short. Comes back, catches it, scores. And you're just like, dude, like, if you're, if you're a D-back, one, how do you defend that? Because, obviously, you're just trying to stay next to this dude. But then when Mahomes like scrambles around and then makes throws like that, it's it's crazy, man. And then you got a guy that's as fast as Tyreek Kill to, to actually run with him, and, and he Mahomes has ability to throw the ball that deep. It's it's insane, dude. It, it's stuff that you've obviously never seen before, and as a coach, it's it's almost like you're trying to get kids out of those habits. It's very yeah. similar to kids shooting from half court, like Steph or Dame, you know, Damian Lillard. Right. It's like, like you don't want your quarterback my, doing that. <laughs> right. Like, you know, you see that and the kid thinks that like, it's freaking Madden or they have Mahomes arm, like, dude, you're going to throw that and that ball is going to go 20 yards and it's going to like helicopter, like a punt and some D backs going to, you know, snatch it for an interception. And it like, you know, like one of my quarterbacks over the offseason put up like on his Twitter, like, Oh, like no look, throw Mahomes no, uh, Mahomes like no look, throw. And I was like, one of our, one of our D coordinators retweeted it. And I remember I said to our head coach, I was like, tell, tell that defensive, like, tell, tell Pete, he's got to take that down right now. Do not encourage that shit. Like we do not want to, I do not want to see that this season. Mm-hmm. Like If that happens, I'm doing a bad job as a coach because he is not freaking Pat Mahomes. There's one of one that can do that. Right. You know, and probably Aaron Rodgers. You know, it's, it's just, he, he does things that are not normal, you know, that are not from this earth. And, and it's just, it's it's really fun to see, man. It, it's, it's, it's crazy.
1: It's special. And I got to give a shout to Tyreek Hill too. Because like when you get past, you know, wide receiver school 101 and you're into the expert levels of wide receivering, the big thing that uh, these guys master is late hands right and yeah. if you don't know what late hands are as a listener it's like just not showing the db that you're looking for the ball or that you're about to make a play on the ball until the last possible yeah. second like it's a really hard thing to master because as a receiver you're looking at the ball you got to track it you got to find it and most people especially like we're talking about high schoolers at the moment most of them have we can't even say the words late hand them until they reach a certain level it's a hard thing to do so he was sprinting towards the sideline here, and John Johnson, I believe it was John Johnson, right? We're covering him, I think, oh, for Cleveland. I
0: mean, yeah. Yes, so yeah.
1: he's on a full sprint, trying to keep up with Tyreek Hill, and Tyreek Hill doesn't even think about showing his hands. He hardly throws his head up past enough to see the ball coming, and then just breaks down. And he's he stopped, and John Johnson, whoa, Where did he go? Where did he go? Like he had no chance. It was it was insane. There was actually some incredible catches. Shout out to Christian Kirk out of Tyler Lockett. The Terry McLaurin catch over his left shoulder on the sideline was... Stupid. It was over both shoulders. He was like a pretzel. It was insane. Oh, my God. All right, I need to move on. Last game, very quickly before No Regrets. Ravens-Raiders. Lamar, two fumbles. Lamar did accumulate the yards passing and the yards rushing, and they did have control for a little bit there. They had the lead, but Derek Carr and the Raiders... And Darren Waller with all of his targets, they, they fought and they came back and they made me eat my, eat my words on picking the Ravens minus four to win this game. Uh, it was a crazy one. It was dramatic. Pat, any takeaways here? I know it was, it was weird. It was like Ravens are so hurt. The Raiders, who knows with them, their defense might be terrible. We got a whole lot of everything. What are you pinning down from that wild Monday night game?
2: Uh, I think one big thing, because starting with Baltimore, again, you know, even with all the players hurt, you think still this team is good enough to win. And they were 81 and 0 under Harbaugh is 81 and 0 with a 14 point lead at any wow. point in the game. It's now 81 and one. So it was shocking for them to kind of see them crumble, especially late in the game. And we'll, we'll talk about those last the last couple of minutes of the fourth quarter and, and the overtime, because it was, I, I felt like I was drunk watching it, but um, you know, again, I think missing Edwards and missing Dobbins is going to play a huge role for them. Um, Look, I think Latavius Murray is a good running back and Tyson Williams, I think had a really good first game. That being said, the, the run game you're expecting out of Edwards and JK Dobbins, I think was, was another level up higher than what Tyson Williams and Latavius Murray can give you. So, I think without that, Lamar Jackson, you saw him try to overcompensate and he tried to do too much. And he came up with two critical, costly fumbles. And that ended up being the difference maker in this game. It allowed Vegas to get back in it and ultimately allowed them to win it. Um, I, I think also the fact is, too, is the other big takeaway is, you know, I heard somebody say it. I think it was whoever was doing the game on Westwood One Radio with Kevin Harlan, and I and I know who Kurt it is on was it Kurt? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right. It is. It was Kurt. Yeah, it's Kurt Warner. Yeah, that's.
1: Amazing. I was. I was I listening. I, I was. I was driving I, home. I,
2: I can't believe I forgot. I, I for some reason I totally blanked that it was Kurt. Anyway, he said, "I think Darren Waller, the season he's going to have this year, people are going to look to him the same way they look at Travis Kelsey and George Kittle." And I was like, "Wow!" I was like, "Those are some lofty words." I was like, "I know Darren Waller is a stud. Like I, I've, I felt going into the year he was a top ten tight end." But oh,
1: come on. You didn't think he was already top? I mean, I guess I'm thinking fantasy. He was clearly a top three, but
0: no, yeah, last year. Uh, you know what,
2: dude? They they he's threw sick. The ball he's a receiver, bro.
0: Times, bro. He is,
2: yeah. And I and I thought he was. I, you know, I thought I, again. I, I thought he was one of the top tight ends. I, top, right. top ten tight ends, but like to have put him in the same sentence as Kelsey yeah. and Kelsey. I was like, ah, is he there yet? Apparently, apparently he is, and apparently they they think of him as highly as that too. Nineteen targets, ten 19 catches, in, man. 105 yards, catching balls in the slot, catching balls, like you said, as a wide receiver, being able to catch balls down the field, being able to beat corners in coverage, you know, again, no Marcus Peters, no Jimmy Smith, but that Baltimore secondary is still sick. And again, mm. he was making some of them look like, you know, boys, and he was the man in, in, in some of those, some junctures of that game. So I thought he had a phenomenal game. And uh, again, I, I think for as much as these teams tried to lose the game at certain mm. points of the game, I thought it was, it was entertaining as hell. Um, I, I think, you know, we can uh, say, say what you will about the Peyton and Eli broadcast. I watched the first quarter and a half and I think I turned it off at the wrong time because apparently then in the second half, like they were with Russell Wilson, apparently Russell Wilson was like a star mm. and, uh, you know, maybe it's the play-by-play guy in me. I don't like missing what's like, I, I want to know every play who's making the tackle, who's doing what I want to hear. Um, you know, uh, the, the, guys break it down. They want to hear Riddick break it down and, and greasy. So but apparently, bro, Peyton and Eli were phenomenal in the second half, and they kind of just let things breathe a little more, and they were they were hilarious. So I got to give them another shot next week. But you know, every bit the Monday Night Football game you're looking for, you get overtime, you get a dramatic finish. But again, the end of that game was was just stupid. Like Baltimore goes down, and they convert with uh, with some plays that you're like, like what are you doing with this Vegas defense? And it's like the same old stuff and then they get, they get a stop they you know Baltimore's running at the clock and they kick the 47 yarder with Justin Tucker which like there's never been somebody more automatic than him mm-hmm. and then i don't know how they let Carr go down there in two plays yeah
1: it was insane it's
2: Edwards for 20 yards spikes it hits Edwards again for 18 yards spikes it and Daniel Carlson nails a 55 yarder and it's like how did you like how did you let that happen? And Edwards like was like knew, so
1: quiet up until that point.
2: And you knew like they had two plays. That was it. They had two plays to try to get it done. All you needed to do was make one stop, and they allowed, And they just you know again, it was complete prevent defense. They played not to lose. We hear it all the time. That's exactly what it was. They were they were completely slacked off in the coverage, and then uh, again, Oak, Vegas goes all the way down. The play that gets called back all the way down at the one yard line um after it gets overturned you basically you know you got like i, I saw somebody tweet bands on the field like that old yes. college football la that's what it was like you know people were he hits edwards again you're right edwards was quiet and then all of a sudden he's the star of the game right at the end and uh, no it turns out he was down at the one and then you're like all right is vegas really gonna fuck this up and of course they completely fucked it up yeah they try they fall start the rookie leatherwood, leatherwood. at alabama falls starts and then right through the fucking hands of Snead and then off the face mask of one of the Baltimore defenders for the pick. And you're like, all right, that's it. They're going to go right back down. And then no, Lamar again, just trying to do too much. And, you know, again, I get he's one of the best and most athletic uh, runners in the game and quarterbacks in the game, but there's just too many times where I'm like, dude, he's holding that ball out there. Like as he's going into tackles, like he is going to fumble the ball. And sure enough, he did it twice. And then uh, again, they still try to fuck it up. They're like, we're going to kick the field goal. Nope, delay a yeah. game because they have no timeouts left. And then John Gruden just says, you know what? Fuck it. Just drop back and just fucking sling it to Zay Jones. Yeah, of all and, people. And it turns out working perfectly. So, I mean, that game was drunk the last, like, from the end of the fourth quarter through overtime, but it was phenomenal.
1: It was so drunk, too, because I was like, Daniel Carson is money from 47. What are you freaking out about? Just let him kick it from there. And then shut me right up with the, with the touchdown right after that. It was, it was not, yeah, apparently,
0: terrible. apparently they said they, they were trying to get the kicker and they couldn't find him because he was kicking at the net. So they were like, yeah. all right, just go out there and run a play.
1: It was like first and 10. It was He was not expecting to go kick yet.
0: And, dude, and Baltimore comes out exactly. and covers zero.
2: And, and they were, I, I don't uh, think they said dude. we'll play. They were going to run. They come out and cover zero and Gruden calls an audible as they're going up to the line of scrimmage.
1: That was special stuff. And honestly, you mentioned Kevin Harlan's before name before I got to say, I just love that man. I want to eat. Dinner. I want to have dinner with that man. I just want to hang out with him. You should have heard his goal, field man. goal calls when Tucker hit his field goal and then Carlson hit his field goal. He's like, "Good!" Like it's a freaking AFC title game. He's freaking out. I loved every snap, second snap of down,
2: it. Snap down the, snap down the kicker's up. It's an end over end kick. It's a yes. floating left. And <laughs> he said
1: end over end every single kick. Too. You're spot on. That's yeah. how I, you worked your fair share of. Uh, Board off shifts for Westwood one. I, oh, I yeah. did as well. You got, you got to love some Harlan action.
2: <laughs> and, I love, and I love listening to him because he's as good on the radio as he is on TV. Cause his better. description of things he's better is on radio. Yeah.
1: He's off the charts. Kyle, you have anything to add on Lamar Ravens front or uh Raiders? If you, if you want to just in the sense of like expectations, positive, negative, what do you got?
0: Yeah, I think I think you're right though, Pat. I think that the running back loss is huge for them, man. I mean, that's such a big part of their offense. You know, they run a lot of split zone, inside zone stuff, and they run even sometimes some you know, almost like triple like triple option like concepts. And not having like a legit back um, that's been in that offense is is going to be tough to find. You know, just to like throw a guy in there and just you know expect to get the same success. Is kind of unrealistic. So hopefully they can get a guy in rhythm, you know, in these next couple of weeks. So um, one of the things that I wish I would see from Lamar Jackson, because, you know, almost every year now, you hear about like, you know, our team's trying to defend Lamar Jackson or the progress of Lamar Jackson as a pocket passer. It's just one of the things is just, I, it's, it's a habit that he has. And sometimes he's able to get away with it, but it's just when he drops back, and say, you know, he's going through his progression, which he's gotten a lot better with, by the way. He's, he's, like, actually, like, reading the defense. But say if he's getting down to the check down, he doesn't always bring his feet with him. And what I mean by that is, his like, he'll drag. drop back. Right. He'll drop back. He'll go from, say, say the, you know, the first look to the second look. He'll bring his feet to the second look. And then when it comes to the third look, you might have to bring your feet all the way around, you know, if it's a check down to the running back out of the backfield. But instead of doing that, he'll keep his feet on two and his arm, he'll like give the, like the side arm and just like try and sling it over. And it's not always accurate. You know, it, it, there was a few times last night that he missed a couple guys because his just feet were just lazy. And it, And you know what? When you're uh, an amazing athlete, it's tough because, you know, for me, I'm, I'm saying like, oh, dude, like, how can you not do that? By now you're an NFL quarterback. But when you're growing up and all you've done is kind of out-athlete everyone. Dominate your everybody. Mechanics, right. Your mechanics are not the first thing that you're being taught because you're just, you know, dude, just freaking, you know, outrun everybody and do your thing be an athlete. But now he's at kind of this stage in his career, like in, in the NFL, something he just has to improve on. If he if he improves with, like, small things like that, and if he can become just a little bit of a better passer, he'll be even more dangerous. Even though without these, you know, these running backs and everything, it seems like, you know, and, and Bateman's out, you know, once they get Rashad Bateman back for draft pick um, from Minnesota, if they can get some of those guys back, now you can move Hollywood kind of around the offense, put them in the slot, put them outside. And now you can kind of play with him and you can have more weapons. You know, guys aren't able to play with seven, eight in the box because they're not afraid of you throwing outside. You know, if he can start throwing some more balls down the field and not every ball to a tight end, the offense is going to expand and you can now kind of put a bandaid on your, on your running back situation until further notice, you know, if if that, that kind of makes sense. Like you just got to, Really, just work on his mechanics with his feet, and I think that if he can do that, he's really he's gonna be. It's gonna be really tough to defend the D coordinators. I mean, you know, you got to stop the the zone read. You got to stop the quarterback run. Just the quarterback stretch. You got to stop the inside zone. You got to stop the boot action. You got to stop the play action. Like that's if you're a D coordinator right now, you're just like, dude, where do I start? And if he can do that, it's it's gonna expand his game like even more. Yeah,
1: that was great. That's a
2: great point. That's a great point.
1: Yeah, that was money, honestly, right there. And one one thing to that crossed my mind as you were going through that, um, when he's running the ball as much as he is and so impressively and athletically as he does, those little details with the feet get even harder to keep up with. My guy just yes. broke a tackle and, and picked up 18 on the ground himself. And now he's got to go through three progressions, you know, call play, uh, yeah. read the line, identify the defense, then go through his, you know what I mean? Like it's so much, and it's so yep. much harder to pinpoint every single detail when he's also carrying a burden of rushing for 80 yards. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it's tough, yeah. but it's, you're right. But you're also exactly right. It's a great point by you. Kyle. that was well done. Um. All right, let's finish up. Uh, Pat, we'll make this one relatively quick. We're already pushing an hour 30 here. We have a quick segment here. When we lose a bet, it's not always a bad pick. Right? Is that fair? Do you agree with that sentiment, Pat? Obviously, some people are going to be like, "Oh, well, a wins a wins, a loss is a loss." But it's all about the process. When you're sitting here and you're trying to bet for 17 more weeks, you can't kill yourself over one loss. You can't praise yourself as king with one nice win. You have to trust what you're doing. You have to be consistent here. So that leads to having no regrets from time to time. So, Pat Boyle, our new segment is called "No Regrets," is where we regret don't regret one of our picks that lost this week. So this week we each had three. You could have more than just one, but if you only want to do one, that's fine. So do you understand the topic? Do you agree with the sentiment? Yes. All right, so now the floor is yours. You can go first with your three picks. First, I will uh, recap. Your two hits were the Cardinals and the over on the the six-point tees. And uh, remind me what the second one was. I don't have it in front of me right now.
2: The other one should have been the Browns. Yeah. The and Browns the Browns plus 11
1: and a half in the over. Gotcha. All right. So oh, actually, you know what I do have. Uh, uh, oh, great podcasting here. Here we go. So yeah, you had those two and then your three losses were the bills money line over 41 and a half. Um, the Panthers money line and over 39 and a half. That one was tough. Maybe you regret there. It seems like you mentioned that one already. And then giants plus seven and a half and under 48 and a half. So of those three losses, what do you got? No regrets. First and foremost, I know you feel this. I regret
2: nothing. Yeah, uh, I'm going to start off with the ones I don't regret. I don't regret the Giants. Uh, you know, again, I, how many times, Pete, did I take them last year when they were like a three-point three underdog, four-and-a-half-point underdog? I was like, they're not losing this game by double digits. Mm-hmm. They kept every game close. A lot of them was the under two with how good the defense was. Uh, I mean, look, yeah, they lost by 14. Uh, I don't regret that because I also did place a a pretty sizable wager on the just the under of them and the Broncos uh, live like right after the game started and I was like, look, these deep and it was like, you know, basically nothing on the first two possessions. I was like the live was like 42 and a half. I think 43 and a half. I was like, give me that. Um, So yeah, again, that was 27 seven until the last play of the game. I don't regret that. I I definitely don't regret the bills money line. Look, so be it. You know the Steelers went out and they took care of business. You got to give them credit where credits due. I'll live with that loss any day of the week. The one I am kicking myself, and I mentioned to you, is again I had a feeling the Panthers are going to win. I even thought about saying instead of going five teasers, I might take the Panthers just straight minus uh, three and a, three and a half. Right? I think the spread closed at yeah. Um, and it was going to be, and it would have been a close cover either way. It almost was a near backdoor cover for the Jets. But uh, again, the fact that I then teased the over instead of taking the under, I don't know why I trusted the Jets offense to be able to put up enough points for that. Uh, like that, That's what's kicking me. I was like, you know, because again, I could have teased that. I could have got that under teased all the way up to what? Basically, well, basically like 50-51. And I just don't yeah. know why I did that looking back at it. So again, that, that's one where in the future it got to be better on. But yeah, no regrets on the Giants. No regrets on the other uh, Bills.
1: I, uh, I actually followed your, your two-team teaser into the Rams game and did uh, the Rams and the under. It worked out wonderfully for me. We should have made it one of my picks because I had three losses as well. My hits, first and foremost, though, were Steelers plus seven, which uh, they obviously won. I did not expect that, but great cover. Uh, the teaser that I did throw in, eight-point teaser on FanDuel, Niners minus a half, Rams minus a half, Chargers plus ten. That was an easy one. That one looked good. Only got nervous for like 10 seconds there with the Niners, but it was all good. My losses, however, one stung more than the next. I did have the over in the Falcons-Eagles game. It was over 49. They did not get there. The Eagles held their part of the bargain. The Falcons, however, did not. Uh, The Ravens minus four. At Vegas, they lost outright. And then the Vikings minus two and a half at the Bengals. They obviously lost outright in overtime as well. So the first one I want to say about is the over on the Falcons and Eagles. And it's because I expect Arthur Smith, Calvin Ridley, Matt Ryan, and that offense to not score six points again. If they lost by two touchdowns and put up 14 or uh, put up 17 points, like they would almost every other week of this season, we're hitting that over, you know, or right. We're right on the over there at least. So like, I just, I don't regret that one. I had a feeling about these two teams playing high-octane offense. It worked out well for one side. It did not work out for Arthur Smith and the Falcons. I'm chalking it up to Arthur Smith being with this new bunch. I think Matt Ryan will get better. There's a lot of pressure in his face. Calvin really will have big, monster games, and they're going to be fine to score points. And they may not win a lot of games, but they're going to be in more shootouts than not. I don't expect them to score six points moving forward. And then, you know what? I think that's the only one that I say I regret nothing for. I also... I'll, no, that's not true. I regret nothing on the Ravens, too. If they re, if they rematched, I'm taking the Ravens again. They shot themselves in the foot. Lamar played hero ball. We just discussed it. I told you when we did our picks live on Sunday, Pat, that this was slightly emotional. I didn't feel that uh, like amazing about it. I just wanted to ride with the Ravens when all the adversity was in their face, and I would do it again. So I regret nothing there. I regret betting on Kirk Cousins and the Vikings. That one sucked, even though... They gave me a whole lot of hope making it into overtime, and then they drove down the field, and none other than my own fantasy running back, Dalvin Cook, fumbles, and then we lose, don't cover. We had a chance. They broke my heart. I regret that one a little bit. The only thing I'll add on that, Vikings play your Cardinals next week, Pat. And uh, this line smells terrible. It's only Cardinals 45 After the Vikings just played this trash game against the Bengals, the Cardinals look like the best team in the league. It's only four and a half. Does that smell as bad to to you as it does to me, Pat?
2: Is that game in Arizona?
1: That game is in Arizona, man. It's in Arizona. Cardinals minus four and a half. Everyone and their mother right now out here betting the Cardinals minus four and a half. It smells. It stinks bad.
2: It does stink. I mean, we've been doing this long enough to know, Pete. We've been doing this long enough to know.
1: That's a stinky line.
2: That is a stinky line. Ugh, we have if we have anything, some days to
1: figure it out though. We have some If days anything, maybe
2: maybe you just maybe you uh, you play that conservative. You parlay that with one of the uh, one of the bigger favorites this week. Well, you go Cardinals
1: money line with like the Browns Cardinals over the Texans te- or something. Yeah, like Cardinals that, like.
2: money line, maybe or maybe you do a three team <laughs> teaser with like right. the Browns, Bucks, and then you just take the Cardinals money line as the third leg.
1: <sighs> we'll discuss. We have picks coming later in the week. We got picks coming. Kyle, you regret anything, Kyle? Last words? Any regrets? I just want to hit the button one more time.
0: Um. See, let me. I I had a few. I had a few bets. I mean, I don't have (laughs) them on. You know, in front of me right now. But I put down. Let me just say, I put down a few bets, and I was like, "Damn, that wasn't even close."
1: Oh, the pack. I put the Packers plus nine <laughs> that and a half. Not what I expected. Packers plus nine and a half in a teaser. <laughs> that was close. <laughs> oh, that hurt. But what are you going to do? I think we might've lost Kyle actually for a second. I think he's frozen.
0: Oh, oh
2: yeah, He's trying to come through right now. He's, he's super laggy.
1: It's all good. Well, I think that's pretty much all we had here today. Anyway, if Kyle pops back in in a second, we'll let him say goodbye. But if not, we got picks coming up, Pat. We don't know when we're gonna do them just yet. Oh, there we go,
2: Kyle. What's up? I think he's back.
0: You got me. My yeah. bad. Yes. Sorry. Dude. We got you. But uh, yeah, yeah. It it's all good. Some some none of my bets hit at the end of the day. So. <laughs> <laughs> none of them hit. <laughs> uh, I love it. All right. we'll, we'll be back with uh, with
1: picks. You can't get discouraged by week one. We got a lot of weeks to go. A lot of weeks to go. People who hit on week one, they're telling you, bro. I went up eight units week one. Can't trust that guy. Can't trust him. They don't. They got lucky. They bet. They bet on the Saints money line by accident. They clicked the wrong button. That's what happened. That, I can't trust him. <laughs> all right, Subway Sports Talk. That's all we got. Me and Pat will put out our picks at some point. We'll figure it out. Pat Boyle, thank you. Kyle Anderson, shout out. Great job today. Uh, thank you very much. And I'm P Kennedy. Subway Sports Talk, y'all. It's football season. Let's go. Cheers.